No, go ahead, talk. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. No. Do it. No. Do it. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. The WordBros.com. Season three, episode one. My name no, is No, two. Uh, no, season, yes, this is episode two. You're right, Kevin. Way to go. My name is Bob. Hi, how are you? Yeah, I'm Kevin. And that's why I'm here, just to remind Bob that we're on episode two. <laughs> Kevin, you're going, to a, oh, you're going to a big con this weekend, huh? I'm going to North Carolina Comic Con. Yeah, to nice, hang out. And, nice. like, and like see what I can see and, and possibly buy. I, I'm really, this is really a weird reason to go to a Comic Con because usually you just go to a comic shop, but I'm a weirdo. I'm looking for a Layman's Outer Dark because okay. I heard it's like, it's like a, a creepier like Star Trek. So I was like, oh, that sounds kind of interesting to me. A creepier Star Trek sounds interesting to me. So um, I just wanted to check it out. Because I haven't, and this past weekend I read, uh, a, I spent a good amount of time reading and, and uh, reading comics, trying uh-huh. to catch back up. So I read Grass Kings and uh, like I read three or four comics. So That's like, awesome. And three, f- three or four full graphic novels. Like, cause I had the time, I slept and read graphic novels. That's that sounds pretty great. It was okay, man. It was, That's right. the, yes. it was relaxing. I That's needed the that. Life right there. I needed that though. I mean, yeah. I, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't because I, I couldn't. Well, it was partially because I didn't want to get out of bed. I was tired from work. How's work going for you? It's fine. <laughs> You're trying. It's just you know trying to write a lot, trying to get a lot done, um, which has been pretty fun. But I've been reading. Um, I bought. I don't know how or why. I think it. You know, it's probably because I'm I'm a I'm a creature of seasons, and we just the France family just recently watched um, Charlie Brown and the Great Pumpkin. Oh, nice. I mean, I love Classic. It. Yeah, my kids are Peanuts fans. Like we saw, like the first movie we saw as a family was the Peanuts movie. Um, you know, Sophie was into Peanuts. She's always kind of been into Peanuts. When Boom was releasing the Peanuts comics, we were reading those. So uh, I went out and I purchased, like uh, they have books on Amazon, probably at bookstores as well, maybe even at comic shops. I don't know if all comic shops would carry this, but it's like a, it's like a fan graphics book and they're normally two years, okay? They're all in black and white, so it's not the worst thing in the whole wide world, but I mean, Peanuts was black and white anyway in the newspapers, yeah, um, so except Sundays, but it's black and white and it's two years of dailies and sunday peanuts comics oh that's cool so it's really fun so sophie and i read 1969 and 1970 uh we just sophie finished it before i did i'm about half i'm about two-thirds of the way done it's really funny i granted some of them were like oh that's good but some of them are like laugh out loud funny like so it's been really fun reading that so I've just been digging into some peanuts lately. I don't know why. I'm just in a peanuts mood. Did you did you always like Snoopy as like the versus the Red Baron, that little thing? Oh yeah, I love Snoopy versus cool. the Red Baron. As I a kid, was cool. yeah. Snoopy was one of the first things that I thought I could draw. 
Like I would read the Sunday paper and try to draw Snoopy. Um, and I was like, yeah, this is pretty good. But then I, I gave up because I didn't think, then I realized it wasn't very good. <laughs> and then I just got to writing comics, but it's been fun. And, and uh, I don't know, Walter, we've been talking in the chat about, we've been joking around about doing like an old school, like Metal Shark Bro kind of newspaper strip. And I was like, man, that'd be fun. <laughs> Just because all be, things Metal be Shark, fun. all things Metal Shark Bro, you know? I mean, as many Metal Shark Bro things as we can get. Yeah. yeah yes. But um, because, yeah, man. Um, and speaking of comics and things comics, we can just talk to Milton Lawson about his comic book that he has out on Kickstarter right now. Yeah, we can do that. Let's talk to uh, Milton Lawson, the writer of Orson Welles, Warrior of the Worlds, and Transformers. That was good. So today we are joined by the talented and handsome and disappointed. Are you disappointed that the Astros did not win the World Series? I think I may have improved just to mere disappointment. If we had this conversation a week ago, it would have been total, you know, despair and existential dread. But now I've I've kind of leveled up to disappointment. Okay, so we have the disappointed Milton Lawson on the podcast today, and he is uh, talking about his Kickstarter that he's currently running, Orson Welles, Warrior of the Worlds, a volume one. It's a graphic novel about Orson Welles and his secret life defending Earth from aliens. So that, that sounds, sounds awesome. Fun. Now, let me ask you this question. <coughs> How do you lose two games with Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, and Zach Greinke pitching? How does that happen? Like, I don't understand how you lose that series. If I ruminated on that topic nonstop for seven years, like in a – in a monk-like cave with the Dalai Lama, I still would not be able to answer that question. Dude. It defies all logic and probability. You could, you could easily ask Bobby how he still supports the Mets, even though they break his heart every season. It's true. It's true. <laughs> I will say um, Verlander didn't pitch well in the playoffs. Garrett Cole pitched okay, but I was nervous for the Astros because I was not rooting for the Nationals in the slightest. A, because their arrival of the New York Metropolitans and B, their fans are just dicks. Um, <laughs> so I was rooting for the Astros. You had two games to win at home. Game seven made me nervous strictly because of Zach Grinky and his, his issues, if you will. But he pitched really well. I, can't, I was shocked that they took him out so soon in that game. Okay, what issues are you speaking of for, for those Zach, of us that are not sports nerds or uh, Zach, other nerds? Zach Grinky is a pitcher. He's pitched for the – what the Dodgers, the Diamondbacks, and also he started his career with the Kansas City Royals. He's had a lot of anxiety issues throughout his career. Like okay. at one at one point, he stepped away from baseball to deal with his anxiety issue. Um, so he was on the bump for Game Seven. He pitched fantastically, yeah. but I think I think the manager took him out too soon. Yeah, uh, I, my brother would definitely agree with you on that one. He was he was screaming uh, when that when that particular move came in. And then, it, yeah, okay, it's just so often true with baseball postseason. Things just are counterintuitive. Um, Garrett Cole was lights out all season long, and his worst game of the year was the first game of the World Series. Yeah. Just 
it was stunning. Like he was dominant all year long. Like he's, it's either going to be him and Verlander for the Cy Young. You can kind of split hairs at that point. But I mean, you had two dominant guys all season and they get into the playoffs and it's just like they forgot how to pitch. With Verlander's case, I think he was out of gas. He's but old. Cole, yeah, yeah. Now, I have this question for you, too. This will be the last baseball question, then we'll talk about your comic, I swear. <laughs> and I'm only asking you these questions because I saw the, the Astros shirt, and I like the old school H and the star. That's a great logo. Um, yeah. Do you agree or disagree with bringing Garrett Cole in in, in relief in Game 7? Well, they made the choice not to. And – I have kind of implicit faith in our manager at the moment because so many of his choices had panned out. Uh, so in the moment I thought, okay, maybe he knows something I don't, maybe he sees something or knows that Cole isn't quite, uh, maybe he doesn't have enough in the tank to do this. But after the game, it became pretty clear that Cole was very frustrated and he wanted to come in. So in retrospect, I think he probably should have come in. All right. Well, there you go. All right. That was uh... Milton that was Lawson. talking baseball with, um, hey, with, with he, Bobby Milton. No, that's awesome. If he gives it to me, I'm going to take it. This is my. I, I know that's your that's your jam. I, I'm I'm just I'm just making fun because I can. Because well, I'm this is that, also I'm not that kind of nerd. I'm, this I'm is a, also the way I kind of live my life. It shows because that's true. If, it's true. If if Milton, if you walked by my table and we didn't know each other, and I saw you with your Astro shirts, we would have this conversation at my mm -hmm. table because. I feel like, you know, you're making friends for or at your table, yeah. either one. He would he would right. he would stop you either way. So yeah. it's not it's not that this 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 is a genuine conversation, which is what we are about on the show. Yeah. So speaking of that, let's talk about Orson Wells, Warrior of the Worlds. How did you come up with the idea that Orson Wells was uh defending our planet from aliens was like were you a longtime Orson Wells fan or, or a fan of film in general or how did that idea, because uh, I, I hate to say that question in that context, and there's probably a better way to ask it. How did that idea pop into your brain that Orson Welles was basically the Flash Gordon of our universe? It was one of those sort of things where preparation met kind of just uh, serendipitous uh, collision of, of genres. I am a decades-long fan of Orson Welles, the first time I saw Citizen Kane was in the year 1991 when they re-released it in theaters for the 50th anniversary of the film. Huh. And I saw that on a big screen in a classic old movie theater and it just blew my mind. And I left that theater completely transformed. It changed my life. I started to devour every single thing I could find out about Orson Welles, went down all of these rabbit holes and at that time, he had a number of unfinished legendary projects or projects that had kind of gotten finished and you could have only seen if you were in Europe at a certain time frame and weren't on home video or if they were on home video, they were kind of quirky. So he was like this endless source of mystery for me. So there was always every few years like a new biography coming out or something, even though it was someone who had died many years ago. And my natural storytelling uh, perspective on just about any kind of fictional thing, I usually start out in the sci-fi genre. That's just sort of my jam. I do a lot of slice of life stuff too, but when I'm doing fictional stuff, I really, my mind gravitates towards sci-fi. And I honestly can't remember the moment where Wells and sci-fi blended together, but when it did, 
it was like the whole idea just sort of came fully formed into my head. Oh, that's awesome. That, that's now, when you say fully formed, do you mean like beginning, middle, and end, or just like a rough kind of like elevator pitch or what? I would say the, the core of it is that this story isn't just about that War of the Worlds moment. It is going to span Orson Welles' entire career. And since I have a grounding in that long arc, um, I, I thought like in the background of that career that I know so well, I'm going to weave in and out, explain why he had so many abandoned projects. And the explanation is going to be, oh yeah, he had this secret life on the side defending Earth from aliens. Oh, and so cool. we're going to try to put in as many references as possible to either real events from his life or have the events in the sort of science fictional stuff kind of act almost as if he later got inspired by that. And that's where some of his film imagery came from. Oh, that's fair. That's cool. So you're saying that all the alien ships will, you'll see visible ceilings and that's where the idea <laughs> in Citizen yeah. Kane came from, right? Yes. Yes. Like pretty much everything he's uh, been inspired by as a filmmaker is informed by his experiences fighting aliens. Interesting. Cause it's interesting. Orson Welles is an interesting character because like, He's this maverick film director, radio star, kind of uh, like just wonderful, talented person whose first film that he directed was Citizen Kane. And like the second to last movie he was in was the Transformers movie. That's so what he's, like, he's all over the place. Like he's just kind of everywhere. And he's been lampooned by like the critic. Do you remember watching the old show, The Critic, where they would make fun of him? Because I guess later on yeah. in his life, he used to do like voiceovers for like frozen peas and shit like that. So, I mean, like mm -hmm. he's really kind of been on the roller coaster of success uh, and life in general. So, I mean, do you play with any of that in the book? Because it says it's like volume one, the first volume's 85 pages. Uh, so do you play with any of his, I guess, his ups and downs? Do you lampoon any of his career in this as well? Or is this like more of a serious take? It's, it's a loving, uh, perspective on Wells just because I am uh you know such a fan um so the the tone might not necessarily be humorous but specifically uh him having at the end of his life to uh do all of these voiceover type things is definitely referenced it's even referenced in the first five pages um in the in the very first little glimpse of story that we put on the kickstarter page um there's a reference to him recording his sessions for transformers that's awesome but in general i think if we are fortunate enough to be able to do both volumes the the format that we're going for structure wise volume one is going to be like the wonderkind area uh, era of wells when he's on fire he you know when he was young he mastered three mediums he mastered radio he mastered stage and he mastered cinema and he was just this hailed genius. And then it all kind of uh, exploded. And the rest of his career was this kind of wandering maverick path. He kind of invented a lot of the whole independent filmmaker concepts on his own. And a lot of us indie comic creators can find some lessons and inspiration from a lot of the things that Wells did. 
And uh, the second volume is going to be like that. It's going to be the on the road, the older, the DIY kind of maverick wells. Now, when you say that independent comic creators can learn from wells, like give me some examples here. Let me hear it. Let me hear it. No, this is well, okay. yeah, a, a lot of the films that he did later in his life that people don't know about or only discovered much later were a total hustle. He would act in things. He would do voiceover in things and he would take that money and go shoot something that he was directing himself. Oh, okay. he, he never had like after his second film, the major Hollywood studios, they all just kind of shunned him and blacklisted him. And so like in the comics world, that would be like saying, you know, after hitting it big, like on, on like the biggest, you know, Marvel comic ever, both Marvel and DC just writing somebody off. And then from then on, then on having to do everything on their own. So I, I, I kind of feel like inspired by that part of him. Like a lot of his films, they are kind of a bit clunky uh, because he was pushing together um, any little bits of film and equipment that he could grab anywhere. Sometimes in some films he had, actors performing in scenes together that never actually met each other huh. and in in one film i believe it was the trial he had one character say something and turn to another character and when you cut to the other angle the other character is actually on a different continent <laughs> that's fun okay yeah so he just he just had that diy aesthetic and it's just like I'm going to push through and I'm going to make this happen. And some of his later films have a lot of moments of genius to them. Okay. Fair. Cause I am um, not like the biggest Orson Welles. Like I, I couldn't tell. I mean, of course I know war of the worlds because I've been living on this planet. For and you know, transformers because I know transformers because, because I'm he ate Cybertron and that. You know, yeah. So. I'm a child <laughs> of the eighties. I know citizen Kane. I know the magnificent Ambrosons. And then of course, I think everybody has seen touch of evil. Um, if, if you have like any kind of like nineties indie film cred, you're like, Oh yeah, I've seen touch of evil. Um, so, <laughs> but that's kind of it though for me. And so like when you're talking about Wells, I'm like kind of fascinated by all this stuff that you, that you know about him now, like not, not getting, I don't want to get away from your book because of course that's the whole reason why we're here. But when you're saying he was shunned by Hollywood, like what do you mean by that and how? Well, specifically what happened was a, um, a executive came in and took over the studio that Wells made Citizen Kane at and made his second film at Mag Magnificent Ambersons. And when he was editing Magnificent Ambersons, he was actually doing something that was kind of billed as part of the war effort. It was in 1942. Wells went down to Brazil and he filmed some footage of the Carnival Festival and it was, it was sold as some sort of like <laughs> international, you know, cooperation, cultural exchange sort of thing. And so he stayed there editing, uh, editing Magnificent Ambersons, but this new executive came in and took over the studio and he literally came up with the new motto of the studio was something like execution, not genius. And it was viewed as a specific dig at Wells uh, because Citizen Kane, even though it's revered now on its quality, it was a huge financial loss back in the day. And it was a huge debacle. 
um, it almost got burned. The, the subject of the film uh, wanted to censor it and almost succeeded in basically burning the negative and erasing the film from existence. And this new studio head was like, we just don't want to deal with this guy and his ego and all of his crazy stuff taking on the media. You know, it's just too much. And so while Wells was down in Brazil, they butchered his second film and they actually destroyed the original cut of the film. And that's one of the holy grails out there of independent film. Some people are continuing to search in Brazil, hoping that there are like film canisters still to this day that have that footage, but it's probably a lost cause at this point. Interesting. Interesting. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, that is interesting. I had no idea. Orson Welles. I mean, I knew like the, I, I don't even want to say the tip of the iceberg because that would be giving myself too much credit, but you Mill, I mean, like you're like practically like a, a Wells scholar. So this, this book kind of makes sense for you. So, um, so you've got volume one now on Kickstarter. I'm looking at the Kickstarter page. You can go to kickstarter.com uh, and search uh, for Orson Welles, Warrior of the Worlds, or just search Citizen Milton and it'll come up. And uh, I mean, you've gotten some support on this. It looks like you've got 19 days to go. How is the, uh, how is the internet taken to this idea of, a, of your book, Orson Welles being the topic? Because I mean, it's not like he's uh, uh, like hot at the moment, if that makes sense. You know it's what I'm saying? It's not Kim Kardashian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Warriors right. of the shopping mall, right? So... Right. I, w I guess I would characterize it by the sort of thing that um, it definitely is, has a bit of a niche angle to it. But when, when we do find our tribe, when we do find our audience members, their eyes light up, they, they give it all sorts of props just based on the, the concept. And then when they dig deeper into it and they see the art team and see some of the sample pages, they, they really get blown away and give us all kinds of compliments. Uh, recently, we did an update to the Kickstarter where we previewed some new pages by Martin Lorbiecki. And those pages are actually taking place in that Brazil scene that I was referencing earlier. And so it's Brazil, it's during Carnival, so there's a lot of colors. And Martin's uh, coloring style, he uses watercolors. Oh, and that's he just fun. Chose, he just chose some really vibrant uh, choice colors to put in some of the costumes of like the dancers and those pages got tons of uh, positive feedback from everybody that saw them. So um, we're really uh, enthusiastic about the reception we're receiving so far. That is cool because so you're doing the book uh, like black and white and color. Like what's the reasoning or thinking behind that one? Because when you go to the Kickstarter page, you only see the black and white photos, but when you go to the updates, you can see these new pages that have been updated. What's the thinking behind like doing split black and white in color? I believe the, the core of it is that we're trying to do each chapter is being done by a different artist. And most of those chapters are directly inspired by a specific film from Wells's career. Okay. So okay. we're trying to match the styles to the filmography oh, and some of those cool. films are some of those films are in black and white some of them are in color um also just some of it like some of the sci-fi action just seems naturally more um vivid and color friendly so we're going to do a few chapters that aren't directly related to any any films per se and those might be a little bit more colorful but the the overarching main spine of the story the first chapter 
and uh, little interludes between many of the subsequent chapters are in black and white because those are inspired by Citizen Kane. Okay. The, the, the overall structure of the whole thing is inspired by Citizen Kane. That's cool. That's, that's a, cool. That, that's interesting. interesting. Yeah, because you used it, like you basically used the film as like a base for stylistic choice. So uh, you, you you touched base with the with the what you feel like is the core aspect of uh, Citizen Kane and brought that into the comic and then used that to provide the background for your comic based on what film you are changing to or what period you are in Orson Welles' life. I've got that. Correct, right? That's yeah. interesting. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Go ahead, Bobby. I'm sorry. I was just going to ask now, um, is this your first like big comic project? Is this like your big coming out party? Have you done like shorts and stuff like that? Because I mean, uh, a lot, we've, we all, Kevin and I always tell new writers that like, hey, the last thing you want to do is like bite off like a giant project, you know? Um, so do you have like experiences working on shorts? If so, where can I see some of your other works? So I think this is a hybrid that kind of fits between what I've done thus far. In a certain degree, it's way more ambitious than anything, but some of the ways that we've structured it, I'm hoping make it achievable. Uh, thus far, I've self-published a couple of shorts, one of which has been included in a couple of anthologies, and I could tell you a little bit more about those. And I've also done a three-issue miniseries which is going to be published by a small publisher next year. I just found out it's going to be in the June previews catalog. Nice. Congratulations. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you, dudes. Unfortunately, I'm not at liberty to exactly specify like who and eh. what and when. It's comics. But, That's what I figured. <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. But it's a three-issue mini, and it's it's basically all in the can. So I I've had... I've had enough uh, production experience with something of that scale, which is roughly the approximate page count of what we're doing with the Orson Welles project. The two shorts, the first short I did is called Winter Sale, and you can find it online at wintersalecomic.com. Or you can go to miltonlawson.com because I'm looking at your website right now. Yeah, yeah. And it's just an eight-page short. It was created as part of a workshop exercise i'm a member of the comics experience workshop yeah. and every once in a while they do these exercises so sorry, where it's like hey we'll give you a premise do something with it or nice they'll give you a specific story problem god said there's enough of that going on and this one they just said <laughs> hey do a short it off this and is the about theme needs to be winter so yeah man so, so did we meet it here was, was thinking not the first one we met at the the one this year my mind sort of wandered toward i didn't i didn't have a table struggles at heroes and i was wandering around dying media format documentary that's right okay yeah 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 okay i remember independent and music store uh, owner I was also struggling with sort of from an illness and so my difficulties of selling music in the era when so it was kind of hard to have physical media people. especially but cds uh, i did get to meet are losing popularity in favor of digital awesome. downloads yeah, i remember that you were filming and that so stuff that's I, awesome uh, so we are wishing I did that, you uh, and but, the artist on that uh, is the amazing dave chisholm and this sounds like a really interesting project a musician as well as a comic artist so he infused that project with all sorts of little 
Easter eggs and musical authenticity that I cannot personally claim having any generative input to. And that's another one of the amazing parts of making comics. When you collaborate with great artists, they make you look ten times better than you really are. Where are you on the interwebs if I want to follow you So you are actually in the comics experience. I'm on Twitter under the handle at CitizenMilton. And the comic project, we even got a domain for it. I have learned so much from that. Have a hard time finding workshop. It, go, I, I can well talk for like three hours com. on that. Orson a lot Wells of it. Uh, I started out trying to do comics. I think I did something that a lot of cliche first-time writers yeah. do. I tried to do my big. This next segment of the program will be hosted by an impersonator of Seventy Issue World Building Exercise. It's just unreadable and terrible. Milton Lawson believes that he is one hundred allowed me in legal correct territory on this project due to the fact that it is not defamatory and it is honoring and it is the workshop also encourages you to and also do reciprocal critiquing. This person might be afraid of a lot of. Other, other people's work, and you actually that. learn so, almost as much about writing. Uh, well, I mean, you kind of run into that with any time you're doing a book about than you do in like a, receiving like feedback a, like a from folks on your sort. But as long as it's like so that's far fetched cool. enough, you can I kind of see okay. like the trajectory. Stretch, you can, kinda, especially like in like early like drafts of things, you can see like what they're going for, how they did things way better than you could have done, or you see opportunities like, oh wait a minute, if I was doing this, I would have changed this, and it would be so much better. I, 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 so, so, so is that what you no thought the whole time? No one yet. I have, I have, <laughs> I have, I have sought out legal guy for this precise scenario. We're near as much as I would have thought. For the amount of money that I was able to invest in just a cursory legal overview, I felt strong enough to proceed. There are a lot of, if like one of the folks get any sort of blowback from the estate, when I was around, was more money in this camp of Maxwell's Demons. My suspicion and all the scripts that that dude uh, posted that we're, were just beyond really brilliant. relatively friendly. Also, terms Rick Quinn, there are a number of projects that have been spirit done, drifters and the negatives. Uh, celebrating wells, he was in the workshop, uh, especially in my like days. in the realm of local that theater. Dude, He's, and he's I've just a phenomenal writer. Directors I've had the good fortune of reading theater projects, based tons of his scripts that haven't even they been haven't received yet. any problems and from the state. Cool. Every one of his so, scripts um, is it's pretty much my favorite thing to read. <laughs> so I, I feel like I'm sure. And I did not pitch these some of the best of the future of comics. I'm in on the but secret. But someone else that in a few the years the rest was of the aware of my project too. And no, also aware awesome. of the really fact cool. that that publisher had just so, had an issue. Oh, go ahead, Kev. I'm sorry. I was going to say, uh, Milton and I met in a really interesting enough way scenario for the first time. Like, to where, this is um, not my first meeting with I, Milton. I, I feel like um, it, and, it's, it's and not I would really say that, relevant. Uh, he was but it did make for some riotous jokes at my at the bar. Oh, please tell it because it was my memory is so hazy. Stop me at Heroes. They were talking about Yeah, I know it was at Heroes, and I'm, I'm they're like, you're talking you about you're outside of the edge of the celebrity art auction, <laughs> and I saw your hat. <laughs> like, I've seen books uh, It might have been there, or it was, well, it was at your table. You were at your table in Oldcraft, walking the floor on the Sunday before we left, and I was giving out metal shark flyers before we did the... 
before we, we did, did the Elvis book, okay. it was the first thing we did together. And, and you had like a bald, bald, fighting bald aliens, hat. And yeah, your bald hat, and you had like a cool metal shirt of some kind. It's kind of in the same band as like I love MSB. metal music as well. Um, but, so, and he, he's like, I'm one of the things shirt, that was, bro, and was I handed him talked to us about from publishers. Like, I'm not sure how the estate would feel about you guys' portrayal. And I was like, yeah, it's like our book with Walter. And he was like, ah, but it's like parody. I'm Kevin, and he's like, I mean, and then when I said Kevin, and they're like, we're just not sure. I was like, we'd have to This is the one person. Who knows about our comic show? Like, it's not happening, right? That's, awesome. that's why I wanted to tell yeah. that story because I thought just it was like really Orson Welles fighting aliens. Is, is that happening? Now, I was Probably laughing. not. But like you know, it, it, I feel like that I falls was, into the wrong spirit. I would say Orson Welles fighting aliens. It's be, more probable. Yes. Yeah, because of the whole War of the Worlds thing. Like, he, yes. that's the first tale. That's a first person account of the actual invasion that went down and shit. Right. That's the way we're. That's the way we're pitching it. That's awesome. Well, I mean, I hope this book happens. It looks really fun. Um, you're a really nice dude. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure having you on. Anytime you want to come on, you're more than welcome. And uh, sorry about your Astros, man. But considering where you were many moons ago when you were trading Carlos Lee for prospects. Oh, yes. And now you, can't, you couldn't be happier. Well, well, are, you, are you a, a born and bred uh, Houstonite? Milton. No, but I have been an Astros fan since 1978. Okay. So I've put in the time. <laughs> okay. Right, so who's Fair. your favorite Houston Astro of all time? Who that is so tough. I guess the the knee-jerk response is Jose Cruz. He was he was the best offensive player during my formative years. Okay. And um it was it was something to be in the Astrodome and see, you know. 30,000 people all just chant cruise every time he came up to bat. That's cool. I respect that because you could have you went easy and just been like Nolan Ryan. But you you went a little further down the list, so I respect that. And But I creeping up it has to be Jose Altuve. Oh, yeah. Because not only is he probably going to go down as the best all-around player that we've ever had, he's also a short dude. I'm a short dude, so short people power. You guys are good, but you guys have have have, have had good second baseman. I mean, you go oh, from yeah. Tuve to Biggio. I mean, it's been a nice long list for you guys. So that's yeah, yeah. Always been a good position. Yeah, yeah. We had Bill Doran. We had Joe Morgan. So yeah, so second base is where it's at for the Houston Astros. All right. Well, Milton, thank you for coming on, buddy. We really appreciate it. Good luck with your project. And uh, hope, hope here's to funding. Here's to funding. Yes, you got this. Thank man. you so much, guys. Thank you so much. Milton Lawson, his book, Orson Welles, Warrior of the Worlds, Volume 1, is live right now on Kickstarter. Head over to kickstarter.com and pick that up. Or what did he say? OrsonWellsComic.com as oh, well. OrsonWellsComic.com. Yeah. There you go. And you can back that book. They're at, uh, at 3,000. Uh, they've got 19 days to go. This is a very doable goal. So let's help out a good dude. And again, he needs the support after the Astros lost the World Series. He's pretty, he's pretty bummed. I don't want him to be bummed about two things, bro. You can, you can bring it back to that again, uh, always yeah. with the baseball. I yeah. like my baseball. You do. You do. I don't know. Do you like baseball more than, than aliens, though? Mm. I think it's close. 
Uh, I like aliens. It's aliens yeah. is aliens is a good story crutch. Talking Not, animal. It's talking animals okay. and aliens is where it's at. Boom, done. <laughs> I'm so not doing that. <laughs> Talking animal aliens. Yeah, there you go. Anapromorphic animal alien things. Well, no one would know what they were. Well, that's true. But I mean, like, we've talked about volume three of Metal Shark Bro going to space. So, I mean. It could. It could happen. I mean, Walter's all about it. He, like, he, he wants it, it, it could, to it, end it, in it space. It could happen. It could so, happen. I mean, Metal Shark Bro in space sounds pretty awesome to me. It, it, I mean, it's like pigs in space, but sharks in space. Yeah, I'm so. excited about it. Thanks for tuning in to a, another episode of Word Bros. This is Word Bros Season 3. And so that was, you just heard Milton Lawson. So if, if you like us, rate us, review us, follow us on Twitter, at Word Bros Podcast. No, it's Word Bro. It's Word underscore bros, I think. Let me see. I, I'm not looking it up. It's I far, am. Hang the, on. the phone's far away. I got it. That's why I'm on my desktop. Give me a second. Um, we suck at stuff like this. I don't we know do because we're, we're old. <laughs> well, I mean, we had a we had an original login, but then I forgot the password and stuff. It's Word underscore Bros is the podcast. No, okay. no. Now it's just Word Bros podcast. That's, that's what I said. I that's said that the new one, the Word Bros or Word Bros podcast. Yeah, because we had to change the old one, and all the people that are following the old one have no idea we changed the new one. So it's like, to be fair, there wasn't a lot of people following the old one. There's not a lot of people following the new one. Yeah, that's just how it goes. Because yeah. I mean, we podcast into the void, and hopefully, you hear us eventually. Some people do, you know. And then what you can say is, "Hey, like Milton, <laughs> I listened to those guys way back when." Because when they were creating content for no one. Yeah, blowing up like you thought I would. Call the crib, same number, same hood. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys have a wonderful week and we'll talk to you soon. You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. The WordBros.com. <laughs>